Welcome back to the Photographers of Color podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Turner, Research Fellow in Photography and Coordinator of the Center for Photographers of Color here in the School of Art at the University of Arkansas. And thank you to the School of Art for their support in making this podcast possible. In this episode, we speak to Jasmine Clark, a 25-year-old photographer born and based in Brooklyn, New York. She graduated from Bard College in 2018 with a BA in photography. Inspired by the surreal qualities of our waking world, her images play with the tension between fiction and reality. Her images have been shown at Howard Greenberg Gallery in Manhattan and are currently on view at Photoville in Brooklyn Bridge Park, the Photo Vogue Festival in Milan, and the National Center for Civil and Human Rights in Atlanta. During this episode, we talk about Clark's project, Shadow of the Palm. Clark writes, when I look in the mirror, I want to believe what I am seeing is an extension of myself, even though I know it isn't. I'm seeing a reflection, an illusion of me and my world. I can never quite trust a mirror. A picture creates a similar false sense of reality. The nature of photography tells us what we are seeing is true but it's not. It's a selective truth, or even a fiction. One night in Jamaica, as my father and I drove through the mountains, he described a recurring dream. He is in his hometown, St. Mary's, a certain winding road that's shaped like an inn, trying to catch the bus. He misses it and has to run up the mountain through the bush and slide down the other side to catch it. This is his only dream set in Jamaica. He told me as we approached the inn. I listened while chewing on my sugar cane. It's strange hearing about a dreamscape while physically going through it, like deja vu. I feel this sense of familiarity driving through my father's dream. But what's more overwhelming is the sense of Jami's vu, forgiveness and what should be known. The moon you see The air you breathe and the flowers you smell are all suddenly unfamiliar. You've moved, you've traveled, maybe even transcended, although you don't know where to. You look in the mirror and you see yourself, but you can't be sure it's the same reflection you saw yesterday. This is why I photograph, to capture a trace of the unexplainable. My pictures are where dreams meet the physical world and earthly things take on a higher meaning. I search for the uncanny. I uncover what is hidden and obscure face, a wet flower, a dark shadow. Here is episode 13 with Jasmine Clark. Enjoy. So Jasmine, um, just amazing to have you here. Um, today recording the podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on the on the podcast for a while, but I wanted it wanted to just kind of wait and let, let things kind of happen naturally. And I think uh, this is the perfect time because something very special is coming up. Yourself, Nadia Nakorda and Whitling Cadet are all going to be in a group show um, that I organized and curated out at Blue Sky Gallery in Portland. And um, I thought, you know, what better way to, to go more in depth, because we've been talking briefly, very briefly, and, uh, over the last year or so. And 
we got the notification about uh, the show and then the pandemic happened and uh, it's just been so much going on, but I think this is the perfect time to have this conversation. I just want to start this uh, conversation off by asking you uh, about your childhood and, and how your childhood uh, ties into art. What things stand out most to you um, about growing up in Brooklyn and what were some of your first interactions with art? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you <laughs> more at length since we've emailed so much. Um, yeah, I really liked growing up in Brooklyn. Um, I definitely was surrounded by the arts a lot. Um, my mom would always take me to museums growing up and she would often bring a pen and paper and just sort of tell me to sit down in front of different pieces and draw what I was seeing or what I was feeling. So I definitely felt very immersed in the arts. And I also went to um, like a, an art school from the time I was two until um, I graduated high school or just an art centric school. So yeah, definitely felt like always drawn to the arts for sure. So what, what were some of the things that went on at that uh, at the art high school? Cause to be immersed in art from two all the way up until you're maybe 17, 18. What, what are some of the things that you remember from there? And, what, and when was sort of, go ahead. Yeah, I guess it was more of like a philosophy. Like we didn't get grades. So I never got grades until I went to college, which was kind of strange. And, you know, I think there are maybe good and bad things about that kind of school. <laughs> like, of course, telling everyone they're special, I think is for kids is really important for sure. <laughs> but then I don't know, as I got older, I also really valued like more critical teachers or anyone who was more critical of me. I think because I had been in such like an, a warm accepting environment. <laughs> yeah. So through all those experiences, when did you first come in contact with photography and, and what about photography stuck with you to the point you said, hey, I'm gonna go to Bard College and study photography? Yeah, I, I think I was maybe 14 or 13 and I took a, um, I just randomly decided to take a black and white 35 millimeter photography class at um, the School of Visual Arts. And I think that was, well, one, it was the first time that I had, again, like had a teacher that just kind of blatantly didn't like the stuff we were making, <laughs> just thought we were bad. And obviously that's because we were. Um, so that really drew me to the medium for some reason. He was always like hungover. He had a lot of tattoos, always had like coffee, like just always in a rush. And I just, it just kind of was interesting to me for some reason, because I hadn't really seen adults like that before. <laughs> Um, but besides that, I really liked being in the dark room and spending all that time alone. And it was just kind of this like magical thing, like discovering, I think a lot of people will say that, like what the first time they discovered film photography, you feel like, you're like, oh my God, like this is insane. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I had that same similar experience uh, when I first touched film. It's like, um, you know, I took my 35 millimeter class and um, I really haven't stopped photography since and that was you know like my sophomore year of college and I had no plans of studying photography or anything but it just you know everyone who has that experience you know it's kind of a you can't really describe it it just kind of happens and you just end up in this life of photography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think that's another thing I was also really lucky about because then back at my school we did have a dark room so 
there was a lot of opportunity to do that. And our, I was a yearbook editor and our yearbook was all shot on film, which I thought was really cool at the time. So it was just like a lot of time spent in the dark room. So tell me about your time at Bard College um, and, and, and what was the growth uh, process like that uh, for you there? Um, did you already go in understanding that you, what you wanted out of the medium or did you, you know, sort of go through this transformative process from freshman year all the way to senior year? Like what, what was the art like? I think it was definitely a transformative process. It, it, it was a pretty intense program. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's a very small program. Like I think in the end there are about 10 um, photography majors around. Um, but I really liked that because I felt then you get a lot more attention from your teachers. It can, it's definitely a fine art program, I wouldn't say. And that's why I chose it because I wanted um, a program that viewed photography in that way. Because I know there were a lot of other things I could have done that maybe would have been more practical or <laughs> um, like, you know, learn more technical skills. We did learn technical skills, but I just, I would say it's more of a fine art program for sure, which is why I was drawn to it. And the teachers that taught there are all artists, you know, uh, not necessarily shooting like commercial work. So that's what really drew me to it. And I would definitely say, yeah, the, the you know, I think as anyone, the stuff I was making my first year or two ended up, I mean, it, it, I think it ended up informing what I did later, but it was all like definitely like a practice or like, you know, I guess I still view it that way as like a practice, you know, wouldn't ever say fully formed, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, we kind of cross paths at Bard. I, I used to work at Bard College um, as the technical director over in the film department. And so it was kind of like a ways walk uh, across campus, you know, not too far from the film building, but you know, it was kind of a nice walk. And then you kind of walk through those woods and, oh, there's the photo area. And it kind of looks like a little barn attached to like a building. Um, but I, I enjoyed um, going to students' uh, thesis shows over there. I believe I may have caught yours, but I did not get to meet you. Yeah, I don't think we met. Yeah, I did not get to meet you during my time there. Um, but it was interesting because the, the the students at Bar, uh, the film students and the photo students um, at Bar would always come to the equipment room and kind of chat with me. Um, and some people were double majoring and different things like that. But uh, yeah, it is an intense program. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. <students> used to, <laughs> Yeah, come vent to me. Um, but then it was all worth it because, you know, uh, like I said, the thesis shows and, and, and the things that would happen, um, you know, toward the end of the semesters. And um, But Bard is an intense place, but uh, so many talented students come out of there. Um, it, it, I, I really miss it. Yeah. I miss it too a lot. And yeah, I mean, I, I almost majored in... Um, psychology like I was really close to doing that as well and then just sort of when it came down to it I made my decision <laughs> yeah but I you know, do upstate a lot yeah and um it, you know it just continuing on the, the the topic of bar like what are some of your most memorable moments uh there uh like or conversations that were like that pivoted you one way or the other 
did you have a particular professor you really connected with? I know you mentioned, um, you know, getting that, that, that tough criticism and um, there was a few professors that are known yes, for that. Yes, there are. I mean, I think one of the best classes I took, um, you know, it, it maybe didn't inform my, maybe it didn't for, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily geared towards me, but I loved taking um, the Hudson project with um, Stephen Shore, where we went um, into Hudson each week and to document the town and all the changes that are happening and all the gentrification on the main street. It's, it's sort of this really cute, honestly, town, like half an hour away from Bard. But in the last like 20 years, it's gone through this like giant change of, you know, New Yorkers coming up there and buying houses and um, turning the main strip into sort of like I don't know, like a Williamsburg type area. So it's pretty intense what's happening there. Um, and you know, there'd be stories like if you like students who would go off of Main Street to take photos might get you know yelled at or something rightfully probably I'm sure. But I really enjoyed that class just to like see the different kinds of people in that town and to sort of like be there witnessing a transformation and also to take it with Stephen who is you know known for um, large format photography it was just it felt like a really special class to take yeah that's that's really good to hear um uh, funny story like I used to live in Tivoli mm -hmm. and uh, you know everyone knows about Stephen Shore you know if, if, once you go through photography for a while and um, I don't even think I realized Stephen Shore taught at Bard um until maybe like maybe uh halfway through my second semester working there and um mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I moved to Tivoli and then I would be heading to campus in the morning and um look up and there's Stephen Short checking his mail or walking across the street so it's just you know it bar was a funny place and I just met you meet so many so many of these people that are like mm -hmm. that have these myths and you know, life yeah. <laughs> forces that live beyond them or reputations that live beyond them. And then it's like, you'll be walking around and like, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, there's Lorna Simpson and um, Frank Stewart. I met Frank Stewart. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but a uh, well-known jazz photographer. I met him one day. I was walking around one day and there's our Torquizy mm -hmm. Dyson, um, yeah. Jeffrey Gibson, you know, just uh, Lyle Ashton Harris was there. Um, you know, it's just, and especially working in the MFA program over the summers, uh, a lot of people would come through there. But um, I'm sure you all had a chance to meet different people uh, in the undergrad program as well, specifically like if professors were inviting people and stuff like that. Yeah, it was cool because when you're a senior there, you get to ask, um, you can kind of request certain people to come um so that was really cool like some of the people I requested came I, I can't remember I remember Xaviera Simmons came and I really enjoyed her talk um and a few others but Gregory Halpern Gregory Halpern I really love his work and he came and gave I think one of the best talks that we had um so yeah they, they have like a they get a really good group of people to come talk to us yeah I remember Zaviera uh Simmons came um, I think she might live up in Hudson. A lot of these artists from New York, some of them have like studios in Hudson and, and like houses and stuff like that. But uh, I think she visited one time over the summer when I was um, uh, 
uh, working in the MFA program. Um, but also, I remember um, meeting, um, oh, I heard a lecture by Jack Witten. Are you familiar with Jack Witten, the painter? No, I don't think I am. And he recently passed within the last few years, um, but I got to see, you know, pretty much one of his last lectures and he was talking about, you know, going back to Greece and finishing these sculptures. And then I looked up a year and a half later or so and he had passed away. Um, but it's just these phenomenal people that you that you meet and, and whose work, you know, just kind of, you know, means a lot. Um, to a lot of different people and, you know, contributes to the field and in various different ways over various uh, points in time. And I think that's part of the, that's part of the experience at Bard for students, because you, um, you all are immersed in this very critical experience. They really want you to come out as a thoughtful photographer. And I know you mentioned earlier about like, you know, learning technical stuff. Um, but they were really focused on you all learning on how to think, I guess is the best way to describe, like learning how to fully flesh out a project, um, how to pursue something and, 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 and put your own voice to it, your own spin to it. And um, the projects that you all come out with out of there are just uh, amazing from what I saw during my time there. For sure. And that's definitely like the most important part. And that's what you can probably learn most from school, I think, because I mean, I guess the other stuff, you know, if we wanted to learn some lighting or something like that, like just Google it, look it up, or <laughs> it's all on the internet or, you know, as long as you can maybe rent the equipment, but really like, yeah, the crux of it is like learning how to think, how to put together a project, how to be thoughtful, like look at your work critically, be super critical of your own work, I guess. And yeah, and, and also like when you're out after school, you know, you're, people are gonna say no to you all the time. Like people are gonna just not really be interested. <laughs> so one, it's really special to have four years where people are interested in you because it is like, I guess, sort of a form of like love to spend time, you know, you know, um, like constructively criticizing or, you know, saying, you know, just taking time to think about other people's work. And two, then when you get out, I think you you'll you know that like not everything is gonna be easy or like a home run, but like it's always important to keep up your practice even after school. Exactly. And I, I remember um and, and we'll move we'll change subjects here in a little while, but um uh, I remember um having a tea with on me uh at, at her office. Uh, I was just like, Hey, I would just like to meet and talk with you. And she's like, Yeah, I come to my office. She, um she made me some tea. We sat down and talked for about 30 minutes. And um, I think that, that was the one meeting I had with her during my time there. Um, but I remember the students telling me they craved her class because it yeah. would be this one space where, you know, as the students would describe it, you know, ripped apart or just really criticized to the point, you know, it, it was this, this structure uh, to where you got a lot of growth out of that experience with Ami's class. Did you ever have that class or? I never took her, she was one of the, the few teachers that I never, that I never had. Um, yeah, I also, I loved, Daphne Fitzpatrick was my senior advisor. And yeah, she was just like the best person ever. 
<laughs> you know, and she's so fun because she, I mean, she's very serious, but you know, she's not afraid to like have a laugh or like laugh at you or with you or whatever it is. Like it just made it like such a fun year when it can be so deadly serious or seem so serious at the time. <laughs> Yeah. Looking back, I don't know why. Now I'm like, I, you know, I could have not stressed out as much. I was fine, but it feels really important when you're in it. And it is, I guess. Yeah, I definitely remember uh, seeing students run around <laughs> like yeah. that was the, the last thing that they had to do. So um, yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> but continuing on the book, Continuing on the topic of your time at Bard, but kind of transitioning out of that, let's talk about your work, uh, which became your thesis, I believe, um, Shadow of the Palm, um, that body of work. And this, is, this work is sort of dealing with memory, family history, and migration. So tell us, tell us about this body of work and how it got started. Yeah. Um, I was, again, I think I was very concerned too concerned with what it was going to be about you know it seemed really daunting just to go from like blank slate to at the end of the year to frame pictures and put up a show um but you know I basically just started shooting with more of like an idea in mind of like the types of photos I wanted to make or like vignettes I wanted I read um Kane by Jean Toomer which is sort of a series of vignettes about um, black people in America and biracial people in America and it's very floral it's very like ethereal language and that really resonated with me and the imagery in that book um, so I would think about that a little bit not too much and just try to make pictures and then um, I took a trip with my dad and my sisters to Jamaica and that proved to be really fruitful just in terms of thinking about family and family history um, and my own work and sort of a large idea of what my project was about. So that's sort of how that came to be and what I found to be really helpful. Thank you for that. And so like within that body of work, you're, you're interested in things like dreams and how dreams weave into like creating narratives like things could be true or they could be fully fictionalized but you know in terms of your relation of the pictures mm -hmm. relationship or your relationship to photography you sort of have control of that so you know tell us what those things mean to you and, and how it relates to the camera and, and how you see the world like what is your philosophy you know how did that project help help develop your philosophy yeah I mean I think what I like so much about photography is that you can you know, take something so mundane or, you know, simple, and it can take on like the strangest life within a photograph. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the most interesting things about photography. I mean, it, I mean, it, it does have the ability to tell truths, I think, but those truths are always subjective, um, just as much as any other medium. And it's, it's just so interesting because, you know, no one, I mean, maybe this isn't true, but I don't, or I don't, I've never met anyone who's tried to like ascribe a, a larger truth or, a, or a, um, an objective truth or meaning to a painting. Like we all accept that that is like a subjective medium. And it's just, it's so interesting. I either, you know, just people you meet or we're just so surrounded by images all the time or um, 
not necessarily just with artists, but anyone, you know, we want, we really want there to be something um, objectively true about an image. And that's just not the case. And I think that's what's most interesting about photography to me. Um, I mean, maybe besides video, it's like one of the only mediums where we really want that, <laughs> which is interesting. So tying back into, continuing on that note, tying back into Shadow of the Palm, I was reading about your work and kind of uh, this story um, about your father's dream about this mm -hmm. road. And it was kind of going up to, you know, on this mountain. Um, can you tell us about that dream or sort of describe that dream? And, and yeah, it was such a strange, we were coming back. I think we had driven like all the way to um, Port Antonio or something, just driving around the whole country basically. And, oh no, we were by St. Mary's. We were coming back, we were by St. Mary's, which is where my dad grew up, um, leaving, visiting his kind of town or his home, you know, city for the first time. My, it was the first time my sisters were seeing that area and they were like asleep in the back and we were just sitting in the front eating fruit because that's basically all we do there. And he was telling me like on this, the road that we were approaching, like on the road we were coming up to, he was telling me that he has this dream in New York. He still has it all the time where he's approaching this one road that's sort of shaped like an N and he's running, trying to catch the bus and he misses it. And he has to climb up this like mountainside and like run down the other side in order to catch it. And it's one bus to go to school. Um, so he'd walk every day to this place and get the bus, but it was like, you know, it's like an anxiety dream, <laughs> missing the one bus to go to school. And so it was just so, it, it was such a strange feeling at night, like driving through this, this dream that my dad has being physically, you know, in someone's head almost, or in someone's dreamscape. And I thought that was like a really powerful sentiment. And so you just mentioned that, mentioned that dream of your father. You said he grew up in Jamaica and you visited for the first time. So how would you describe first time huh. visiting it, it was my your, sister's, your first, sister's time first time visiting. visiting yeah I had I've been maybe five or six times okay okay sure. and so with, with all of that like how would you so with shadow of the palm your dad's dream how would you describe your connection to Jamaica um by way of your father or through your father and 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 sort of how that frames your thinking around, again, what the camera can do or what you, what you attempt to do with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, like, um, and I think maybe other people could maybe relate to this, but you know, when, when you sort of come from maybe immigrants or immigrant families, you know, my dad didn't move here until he was maybe, I think 20. And it, it's just sort of interesting, like you hear about um, like these, it's like these ideas of home, you know, where home might be somewhere else, a place you just visit or go to on occasion. Um, and even though this is home, like New York is home, Brooklyn is home, but there's also this like larger um, mythology around home, I think. And I don't know, I think in taking pictures I try to deal with that or even just like photograph that sort of, like there's like a disconnect sort of there. Um, 
And I think in, I take a lot of pictures of my family, um, but I often obscure their faces or it'll be cut off or just, you know, maybe the people look anonymous. And I think that relates to sort of ideas of memory and like fragmented memory and um, yeah, history in some way. Yeah, I, I love engaging with all of those things, um, especially in my in my own documentary work, you know, photographing my family. But it is something about, I mean, you look at the history of photography and even going back to someone like um, Kira Mae Weems, um, she started off her career looking at her family. Um, and, and, and so many people do that. And um, I just think it's something so unique and special about that. I can't really put it into words, but that I do it myself and then I talk to other photographers who do it. Um, it's something unique and special about that for sure. And it was also just really cool to see, like for my, to see it, to sort of see the, the trip through my sister's eyes, like seeing them, you know, discover things for the first time or learn things that they didn't know like about their dad. Um, so that was really interesting to see as well. Like, to see it through like a kid's eyes or for, from someone seeing for the first time. And then, and continuing on the, the topic of Jamaica and your, and your body of work, Shadow of the Palm. I was reading ab about it, reading a few interviews that you have done and a few writings about your work. There was this term that was mentioned and I'm probably gonna pronounce it wrong. Um, Jama Isvu, uh, forget, say it. Jama Isvu. <laughs> Jamie Vu, yeah. uh, forgiveness and what should be known. Uh, how did yeah, for uh, like it's yeah. I mean, so so there's deja vu, which is like feeling familiar in an unfamiliar place. And I thought Jamie Vu was really interesting because it's foreignness and things you should be known. I mean, maybe that's just describing basically um like a disassociating <laughs> sort of <laughs> like when you're you know in your house and you're just like where am I right now? But but it was also a feeling that came up. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's an, it's interesting. It, I think it sort of relates back to photography because again, like the strange, the strangeness you can find in, in an image or like a, something as simple as like a picture of a flower that can look so strange that it's almost unrecognizable. So I think like foreignness and what should be known, it can relate a lot to like life. And it's like a feeling I've felt, you know, maybe with family or just in general, but it's, I think it's also something that is really present in photographs or at least the types of photographs that I'm sort of interested in or interested in making. Yeah, and that sort of relates to that, the photograph of that orchid in this hand is trying yeah. to touch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cause it's like, well, one, it's a fake orchid, which I like. It's a pla it's plastic. It's not real to begin with. Um, and also maybe just with a child's hand, like everything is sort of, everything that we know that's familiar to us is like foreign to a child or like, it's like the first level of perception, you know, if we could like go back and just see like pure forms, um, I think it's like how babies process the world. <laughs> But I want to be there. Like, I want to be a baby. <laughs> I want to see like a baby. <laughs> no, I totally understand that. And, you know, over the last few years, I've spent time around my niece and nephew who are pretty young. And uh, when I'm around yeah. them, like, you just realize how far removed you are from there, uh, how they see the world. And it just like, 
um, when I'm around them for, 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 you know, after, you know, a week or two, you know, when I'm visiting during holidays and stuff, it's just like, by the time I'm getting ready to leave, I just, you, yeah, you know, I'm seeing true. the world differently. You know, I know that sounds cliche or something, but it's like, mm-hmm. man, it's like, how far removed am I from like seeing things in a new light or, or, or just understanding things in a different way, um, kind of like they do. So yeah, I totally understand that. Um, so continuing, let's let's talk of uh, about a couple of your pictures briefly, and I just kind of want to mention two of them. And this first one is is, is this image of uh, one of the images that will be at the, in the Blue Sky uh, Gallery show, um, titled Olivia Looking. Um, and this is the image of it's described as image as an image of a young girl looking out. You know, has braids in her hair, um, and the positioning of uh, the body in that image uh, feels like it's on some sort of bluff or like a cliff looking out over the ocean. It feels like in a very like uh, high position or posture that the person is in and that you as the photographer are in as well. So tell us about what this image means to you and what your intentions might have been, um, if any. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that was an image on our, on our family trip um, to Jamaica. I can't remember where exactly we were by the water, um, cause we would just go all over. But yeah, again, I guess going back, I just, I kind of, I photographed my sister a lot, my older sister. Um, cause I also went with my younger sister who's um, now five, but I photographed my older sister a lot on that trip. Cause she's sort of at that interesting age with maybe sort of becoming a teen or something like that. <laughs> Scary, but, but it was just, I don't know, I just, I guess it's, I don't know what exactly I wanted to capture in that moment. Again, I mean, to describe it more, her face isn't in it at all. It's just sort of like the back of her head. I guess I would want to think that it could be anyone or, you know, me or whoever was looking at it is sort of put in that position of looking off into the distance. And that's sort of what I was trying to capture um, with that. And the, the sky and the water sort of blend into one in a way. There's not really a clear horizon line. So it, it's sort of um, placeless or it looks like a placeless image kind of. Not necessarily timeless, I guess, because of clothing or you know beads in the hair at the end. It's sort of maybe a slightly more modern style. But yeah, I was interested in just sort of photograph like it, that age in just sort of like a placeless way. And, and I mean, it's cheesy, but it's also like looking out, like, you know, <laughs> into the future. <laughs> but no, I think it does exactly what you were just describing. Like, and, and I think I was trying to look at the photograph. I was like, what is it about this image? Because it is kind of this void, but I think it is what you, what you just said. I know what it was for me. It's like um, the horizon line, the lack of it. Um, I'm not, I guess we're not used to really experiencing that as a viewer. We always kind of find the horizon line in any image. Um, but in that one, it's kind of like absent. Um, so yeah, that does kind of put you in like a trippy space. Yeah. And I guess you're not quite sure what she's looking at or if she's even looking at anything. I just pulled it up so I could see it, but I guess it does sort of look like she's looking at something very specific, maybe looking down a little bit. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I just, I just thought it was really compelling. I, I really enjoy the absence of faces for some reason. 
<laughs> I don't know why, but in images, it's just like really interesting to me. Um, and then can, I want to ask you about uh, one more, uh, one more picture, um, Jasmine. Um, and, and just before I get into that, I just want to say like, you know, with your images, I'm trying to say this in a way where I don't sound like super extra, but I do really mean what I'm saying. Like, um, like when I look at your body of work, there's a clear, distinct style to it. Um, and I know sometimes as, as image makers, it's kind of hard to explain sort of where that comes from, because I think it mostly extends from an internal place. And then it's, and it, it extends out to this, 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 this uh, device that we hold in our hand, right? Um, and then we interpret space with it and all these, uh, all this other stuff. Um, and, and through that, I think like photography becomes like a lifestyle, like literally, like you, you, you know, you kind of get to the point where you have to do it. And, you know, uh, looking at you as a, as a, as a younger photographer, um, and, and sort of already holding the camera in, in sort of this mature, uh, posture, um, I really enjoy seeing your images on Instagram is what I'm trying to say, or I, I really enjoy, um, how you see the world visually, um, because in, in, in my eyes and in my mind, it does in this void of images that we find ourselves in, in these places like Instagram and just the internet in general, um, it's good to see like a fresh eye or it's good to see, you know, a, a fresh take on something or just a unique take on something going on alongside all these other things happening at the same time. So um, whatever you do and how you do it, just find a way to keep doing it. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> so this other photograph I want to talk about is it popped up on your feed over the summer. I think the date was like in August or something. And it was a photograph of a young girl in like um, a forest, a forest or wood-like landscape in the background. It's a really tight crop. And so um, she was holding on to this transparent kind of peach co color. There was some glitter like uh, texture in the in this inner tube, I think is what you call that. Um, and so the light that was bouncing off that inner tube and the light that was reflected off of it into her face, it was just so beautiful, such a beautiful moment. Um, what is this photo about? Yeah, that, that was also of my, um, my sister, Olivia. She's probably my <laughs> biggest collaborator. <laughs> and that, I mean, that was her idea, sort of, you know? We were at the lake, we got this um, tube with glitter inside of it. And she was just sort of playing with it and noticing that when she held it a certain way, it reflected all this like insane light right onto her face. Um, so we kind of stepped back a little bit and took a few photos and, and she's so funny. She knows exactly like how to pose, what to do. <laughs> she, she sort of, she goes through phases. Now she's in a loving it phase. Sometimes she doesn't love it, but when she's into it, you know, I think she feels special. She likes doing something with me. So we always like go off and take photos together. And sometimes, you know, she'll bring her little Fuji disposable camera or like she'll want to take some like, so it's just become this sort of fun thing that we, we do together. Um, even though often in the pictures, it looks like deadly serious, but, <laughs> but it isn't always 
so serious um, with us, but it is just like a fun project and kind of like a lifelong journey taking pictures and together and of her sort of. Yeah, I like that idea of uh, collaboration and in the kind of the backstory of that, because it kind of shows you like, you know, how a relationship with someone can affect the outcome of an image. Um, so yeah, but I, I just think that's a very compelling image that you took. And um, like when I first saw it, I was like, dang, just the light and that inner tube, just like, I don't know, I just enjoyed it. And it was kind of like the dark edges around the frame as well. I don't know, just how everything kind of concentrated toward the center, but it, it is a very well done photograph. So props to Olivia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Props to Olivia. Um, so I guess to round out the uh interview, Jasmine, what are you doing now? What are you working on now? I, I know you do a little bit of editorial work for this publication called Repella, um, Repeller. Um Tell me about that and, and, and maybe some of the other things that you, you, you are, are trying to do in the midst of all this stuff. That's yeah, happening. well, they did just shut down. So I will say that very like, like three days ago, they folded. <laughs> so that happened. But um, over the summer, yeah, I was doing, they asked me to, they asked me to do one story on um, bookstores. So I sort of went to, it was right when things were reopening New York City. I went to four different bookstores independent bookstores and um, approached people on the street, asked them what they were reading, took a photo of them and I did a brief interview as well. Um, and that was, I really enjoyed that. And they sort of said, you know, I could pitch some other stuff to them. So um, I then from, from then I went on to go do a, um, a story on urban farms, um, which was my idea, which I really loved doing. And I kind of want to somehow go back to that or like reshape that or make a new story. I don't know exactly, but it was so fun. I just, I emailed, you know, 10 different um, urban farms in New York City. I think four got back to me. I went throughout the week and um, talked to the people running the farms, people working there, the teens that were there um, harvesting. And it was just a really beautiful, you know, it was weird in the early summer, like it was a little bit more, it was hopeful a little bit. <laughs> now we're coming back around to fall, but um, you know, a lot of the team said things like it, it was just, it's nice to be out of my house and to touch the earth and it's so different. Ooh. Oh, I know, here we are. Oh yeah. And it's just so different from like life in the city or just being in the concrete all the time. So that was really great. And then I also did a story on um, drive-ins in New York city, which was really fun. Um, there's one in Greenpoint, there's one in Queens. So that was good. That was a really fun story to work on as well for them. And then I did a few other ones, but those were some of my favorites. And it, it was that sort of your first time sort of doing editorial work, like at this point in your career, like. Yeah, definitely. Like it was definitely my first time, like on the field, like going out, like got to find some people <laughs> to talk to. It was a little daunting. Um, cause you know, sometimes, sometimes people say no, or they don't feel like talking to you. And it's so funny. Like if you're not having a good day or if like, I, I realized that if I wasn't like projecting my best self, I got more people saying like, oh no, 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 not today. Sorry. But if, if I came out in a positive mood, I had my coffee, I felt good. I felt confident in what I was doing, that I knew what I was doing. 
like everyone said yes. So that was a good lesson too. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is true. That definitely is mm -hmm. true. Um, it, through doing that work, um, you know, you, you, you were doing your, been doing your personal work up and uh, up until that point and then you interject this editorial side of it and you like you said you're going out into community and talking to people having to set things up in terms of like meetings and times and stuff like that like how's that has that how has that changed your outlook on photography or maybe that's too broad but but how 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 has that changed your thinking about the medium or or just like being able to enter people's spaces for like this this little bit of time and then you you know you're gone <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely different definitely like relinquishing some control was a hard part of it when I would meet when I had plans to meet up with people like I did a story on teachers in New York City and we had set times and locations you know at least I had more time to take photos of them um but often when I was just approaching people on the street I did feel sort of you know maybe I didn't get the best shot or like um I'm not in love with this photo and that was definitely a hard feeling especially you know, coming from like a more of a fine art than like a journalist perspective. Like I just wanted the most beautiful photo that could exist in that situation. And that's not always what you get. And that was hard to realize. <laughs> I've definitely been there before. Um, so this last question, Jasmine, um, what's next for you um, as you move forward? Um, it can be something short term or long term that you're thinking about. Yeah, I don't know. I've definitely been trying to <laughs> I've definitely been trying to keep shooting. I am um, I've been meeting up with people on Craigslist um to take pictures of them, which has been fun. Um but yeah, I don't know. I mean it I mean this is like obvious, but it's just like I have no idea what this winter is going to look like, like if what if we have another lockdown or so I'm not sure in terms of like life what's going to happen eventually it would be I don't know when or if this is ever I would be it would be nice to go to grad school eventually in life I think I think I miss like the structured environment and I miss school and I think at my age a lot of my friends too you know we're sort of two years out now have been saying that they sort of miss school a lot <laughs> so you know that would be nice but I'm just going along with the ride just I need to keep keep taking pictures um you know make a new project which is so such a daunting thing to say but eventually maybe <laughs> yeah no matter how long you do this um jasmine as the years keep going on like that anxiety around like continuing to produce work and like how you internalize it yourself and then before you even think about sharing it with other people, that anxiety is always going to be there. But I think it's a healthy anxiety. It's always like that anxiety is like, it's one of those things where it's like, you you care, you know that you care and you want a specific thing out of it. Um, and you want it to be at a certain level or a certain point um, or, or or whatever things lie in, in between that type of language. But but yeah, it's 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 a healthy anxiety to have. So um, like you said, just just keep the camera in your hands and 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 just keep moving forward. Let the let the camera keep moving you forward as an artist. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you so much uh, for today, Jasmine. I mean, I really appreciate you spending time and and answering the questions and just sharing your thoughts uh, with us. Um, so just just keep just keep doing thank what you're you. doing. Thank you. Thanks for having it. me. It was good. To see you. <laughs>
That was my interview with Jasmine Clark. I hope you enjoyed it. Opening next month in Portland is an exhibition curated by me under the Center for Photographers of Color at Blue Sky Gallery, titled Women of the African Diaspora, Identity, Place, Migration, Immigration, featuring photography by Whitling Cadet, Jasmine Clark, and Nadia Nakorda. Be on the lookout for information about that via the website and social media. There will be a catalog available for purchase as well through Blue Sky Gallery. To keep up with more of what's happening at the Center for Photographers of Color, follow us at Photogs of Color on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Till next time.